one of the four biggest BI companies in the world, which we worked very, very hard to achieve. 200 employees uh, larger, uh, hundreds of thousands of clients uh, uh, bigger, more revenue, more success. Uh, number four, Gartner, like a divorce, getting a divorce. Uh, you married to your wife, but you married to your company too. After that long, and it's never easy. It's not an easy decision. If you, even if you feel it, you know, uh, in your guts, uh, there is pain. There is you mourn about, you know, what you're going to lose. Can you go, going to lose a lot? It's a comfort zone. You, you have respect. You're one of the founders of the company, and it's not going to be that, that anymore. And once I realized how the potential is big. That was the point of no return, I guess. I didn't know that that's going to be my journey. Uh, I, I just try to help them as much as I can. But as you know, as falling in love, like first date, second date, and then you go here and there, and suddenly it's there, and you like it. It, it will always be there. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. In this episode, I meet Adi Azaria for the second time in the Web Summit, and it was all change. He'd navigated the difficult path of separation from a business intelligent rocket ship, which was SciSense, which he'd co-founded and helped to build. He had the difficult transition away from that and had to fall in love all over again with the startup world. And he found his latest passion in field service scheduling software in a company called WorkIs. He's the CEO of that company now. Delighted to have you back on the program, back on 40 Minutes of SaaS. Adi, how are you? Very good. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great. Um, so, you've had a very interesting year since we spoke here at the Web Summit last year. Oh yeah, a lot and has happened. <laughs> so before we got on, get on to the exciting project you're embarking on at the moment, tell me a little bit about the last year or so uh, in SciSense, about SciSense itself and your own experience there. Uh, sure. So. Um, I've been in, in, uh, with Sisense, you know, since founding it for the last 14 years. And the last year was uh, the year of transition, I guess, the year of change. Um, there, there comes a point where you, uh, where you feel that, oh, me personally, I felt that uh, everybody around me can do at least as good as I do or even better. And for me, that's the best time or to move to a different department and grow something new or to move aside, like the Eskimos, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've decided at some point, I, I, I went into the Burning Man, the Israeli Burning Man, and went to uh, you know, one desert day alone, some alone time. You need some quiet time to make hard decisions. And it just felt right that this is the right time, and uh, the right time actually for everybody, not just for me. Uh, I try to be less uh, egoistic about it. You know? And uh, I felt it in my tummy, that's the right time to, to do the next move. And, and the next move for me, at, in, at the desert at least, was uh, to take a long vacation and do nothing. <laughs> That's uh, a great, great yeah. thing to do. And Sysense grew uh, since then. I mean, Sysense is now about 500 employees uh, with a UK office and Kiev wow. office and Arizona So office what's the delta today and 12 months ago in Sysense? How much has it, has it grown? 200 employees uh, larger. 
hundreds of thousands of clients uh, um, bigger. More revenue, more success. Uh, number four, Gartner, uh, the top BI company in the world, uh, or one of the four biggest BI companies in the world, which we worked very, very hard to achieve. And finally, we get all these you know, top 100 cloud vendor, top SaaS vendor, top uh, visionary in Gartner. I, I, I'm, I'm very, very happy to, to be at that point. And you must be proud of, of uh, your achievement as one of the founders of, of that company. Uh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm proud mainly in my employees, which are my kids, as, as I see them. Uh, they, they took us to a places we never dreamed of. You know? I, I would never think that we get it to this point after 14 years. And how does it feel now to be, uh, first of all, how did it feel in that short transition period where you, were, you hadn't decided probably what you're going to do next? How did, did it feel like uh, a liberation, or did it, or was there a transition? Did at first you feel, oh, you know, should I have done that? Should I have left? You know, how did you feel in those few months when you were transitioning from size sense to your? I think it's project? like a divorce, getting a divorce. Uh, you married to your wife, but you married to your company too after that long, and it's never easy. It's not an easy decision. If you, even if you feel it, you know, uh, in your guts. Uh, there is pain, there is, you mourn about, you know, what you're going to lose. You're going to lose a lot. It's a comfort zone. You, you have respect. You're one of the founders of the company. And it's not going to be that, that anymore. So you consider everything. I considered everything that I could, uh, but I don't think it's a rational uh, uh, decision. When it comes from your guts, you need, to, you need to go with the flow. Otherwise, it starts fighting you. <laughs> and it starts fight, fighting me. And so I decided not to fight and, and give up. Now, uh, probably the best therapy is to start something up again or to get involved in a startup again. And you're now the CEO of Workis. So tell me a little bit about how you met the founders and how you decided that, yeah, this is for me. As I said, I didn't want to go on to a new journey. I, I just wanted to have some fun, you know. After that long, you just want to rest a little bit. Um, but uh, I think, again, like divorce, uh, f falling in love is not something you can plan and I'm meeting uh, my, my goal in life right now is to meet as many startups as I can so I'm meeting at least one startup a week wow. to help them with nothing in return just to give them everything that I can in, in one hour and these guys came to me and asked for my help and they were persistent uh, so uh, I sat with them it actually was a memorial day so the meeting started with uh, we, we you know it was some kind of an alarm to, to, for the memorial of, the, of everybody. Uh, so that's how everything started, with silent, two minutes silent. It was very strange. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know that that's going to be my journey. Uh, I, I just tried to help them as much as I can. But as, you know, as falling in love, like first date, second date, and then you go here and there, and suddenly it's there and you, like, it, it, it will always be there. Uh, and uh, my and, and the guys that I met were uh, actually coming from the field. They were locksmiths. They did the actual uh, uh, work that they're solving these days. So work easy is all about making work easy, uh, and therefore the name. So they they took a journey that uh, that uh, lasted for about ten years with all the challenges of how to face customers and how to grow their business and how to bring technology within a very low-tech business in order to scale. How do you do that? And how do you do it with the non-technical guys, you know, as technicians? 
And once I realized how the potential is big, that was the point of no return, I guess. And they're in uh, field service, uh, is the space they're in. So um, are we talking about the same area that Fieldware, an Irish company are in, for example, where they enable uh, customers that have teams of people out on the road servicing other customers? Absolutely. Okay, it's tell a, us a little bit about it. It's pretty much of a red ocean. Everybody tried to get into you know, the low-tech industries. That's when, where the main disruption can, can happen these days. Um, we definitely see uh, uh, huge uh, crowds all over the world that are still using pen and paper. Uh, it creates uh, a gap that is ever growing with uh, c competition that is much, much you know, more rich, have know-hows and, and financial skills. And work is, is within the mission to uh, bridge that gap. So technology is there, technology is cheap today and it's reachable, but these guys, the service people, they cannot get it so easily. And, and that's what we do basically. We give superpowers to any service business, to any small business, allowing them to easily control any aspect of the business, you know, invoicing and payments and scheduling, down to marketing and leads and generation and customer service, the basic stuff. We so, so are you both an intelligent router uh, you know, maybe taking into account everything, uh, maybe not all of these things, but the sort of things, the, the attributes of the driver, how long, is it, how long has she or he been driving, uh, how, how proximate is the customer, um, how valuable are, is, are those particular products or services, how, how valuable is that customer compared to the other customer? Do you have some sort of a calculator in there that decides and helps the person know which way they should go and which van should be sent? in what direction, is that what you are? So we're deploying the most advanced technology behind the scenes in order to easily uh, interact with the field service guys and, and them interacting with their clients. I'll give you some examples. Okay. Uh, you're getting a voicemail today. People are still using it apparently. So one of our uh, most, most successful features is the ability to listen to this voicemail automatically transcribe it, understand the, the intent. What does the client want? He needs a new job, he needs to complain about something. And then we uh, provide this as a very structured uh, message to the field service guy, giving him two options. You want to create a job, add a lead, or just get, it, get back with a message to the client. You don't need to answer the phone anymore. That's one simple way how we're using AI and machine learning in order to uh, provide a simplicity throughout the pro that so process. So NLP. Yeah, yeah that's one, one of the algorithms that we use, definitely. Fantastic. And, and I presume you, you've got a rich set of workflows that they can configure and, and, uh, you know, and set into flow as soon as the, as soon as, and the human, I suppose, can, can take that and, and, and manually act on it as well. Absolutely. So that, you, so that you don't get tripped up. Yeah, we, we, we uh, allow any field service to act like uh, or to, be, to have the face of uh, enterprise customer service. So from within the ability to answer any call and give them the right flow, customer service support and so on, down to just simple notifications. You know, you expect an enterprise service to provide you with a notification, I'm heading your way or I'm, I'm going to be at your house tomorrow, please confirm. We do that for all the small businesses that cannot afford these expensive systems. Okay, so your target market is small business and your differentiator in this red uh, red-blooded water, uh, very competitive space, is the AI and, and technology, technology that, that they've developed over the last few years. Absolutely, is that correct? yes. Okay, okay. And, and you say that even, how come, how come it's such a red, you know, water competitive space 
and yet so many people are still using pen and paper. How is that possible? It's due to uh, um, a main challenge that small businesses have all around the world. I don't know if you know, but uh, in five years from when a business is born, he's 75% likely to close. And that's to, due to a few reasons. Uh, uh, one of them is, uh, is employee theft. That's about 30% of the cases. And uh, the other cases is basically bad reviews. These days, the, 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 bad, the reviews tool uh, in the hand of the customer, that's, that can bring you to a major success or, take, or can kill your business. So we identified those two uh, uh, you know, um, main issues with, with businesses get, getting close. And we went into our data and apparently we, we make, I don't know, businesses survive for 80% and not 25%. So we needed to find out why is that? Why is it so uh, rough, I guess, to open a business? So to your question, when businesses close, you know, in five uh, five years, and most of them, that's what they, what they happen. You have a, new, uh, a lot of new blood, so new businesses, and there are millions all over the world that are opening on on a daily basis. And and secondly, we try to figure out how to help them. So if the customer is giving bad review, why is that bad review? So I'm a data guy, I went into the data, digged, digged into that, and we figured out an amazing, amazing uh, uh, information point, I guess. Customers do not complain about the quality of your work, I mean, the pipe behind the wall, or the electricity, or your, I don't know, alarm system. They don't know what's going on behind the scenes. They complain about the level of customer service. Were you there on time? Did you notify them? Were you dressed nicely? Were you speaking nicely? Pricing issues and so on. That's the main bad reviews. To hit bad review, that's very easy. To give a good review, you need to be well beyond you know, anybody else. I'm sure that when you were looking at the startup, you were thinking to yourself, these guys are great people and they have great technology, um, but I know they're not doing X and Y, and, and I, can, I, can, I, I can make a big difference. What are the two or three things you felt you could, difference you could make when you, when you took this on? So, um, basically, I fell in love with growth hacking in the last few years. I've done it at SciSense and the company grew very, very rapidly in the last few years due to that uh, initiative. So I, I, I'm looking at any business today, uh, how, how good is the product, how much the customers like it, and what's, what's my ability to do the X10 or X100 using growth hacking and other techniques. Very good. So apparently this kind of market needs growth hacking, needs hacking techniques in order to, to uh, spread even more uh, uh, around uh, the world. And we definitely see tripling or doubling the sales uh, every month that we, we're, we're doing that, um, something does work. <laughs> okay, and the last one for you. Um, I remember from the last interview that you talked about persistence and you also did on the stage when I introduced you and you just mentioned it again. Do you set up little barriers or tests when somebody comes to you or do you just make sure they have to get at you two or three times before you meet them? This persistence thing for you is a real marker of hunger. Uh, is, that, is that a tip for other entrepreneurs looking to start a business and connect with people who can really help? Absolutely, yes. From sales down to developers and of course startups. And, and startups is everything in between. If you're not persistent enough, just find, find a day job in an enterprise company. Don't do it because people will ongoingly will tell you no, 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 no. My first test is I'm, I'm just ignoring you. If you're going to try to contact me the second time, I might say I don't have time, contact me next month. It's not for, I'm not doing it on purpose, I'm just a busy guy. And if they come back the third time, I'm giving you some, some sort of a task, 
and my guys at Workies, they did everything and they did it perfectly. <laughs> so uh, it was, as I said, love for, uh, from second side, I guess. <laughs> Adi, it's always a pleasure to chat to you and it's great to catch up with you on what you're doing with Workies. I wish you massive success with it. I know Thank you're going you to succeed much. again. Thanks a, a million. In the next episode, we stay in the Web Summit in Lisbon and hear about how Peter Reinhardt helped lay the foundation for building a unicorn by trying to kill the idea before it was brought into existence. If you love classic early validation stories, tune into the next installment of 40 Minutes of SaaS. He also talks about how selling to developers can bypass the old chestnut of whether you want to go after SMBs or the enterprise first. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating. Mm-hmm.